0: to the Dinosaur Man Nerdcast Spider-Man Spoiler Special. Today I'm Andy Hughes and I'm joined with, in the vein of Toby McGuire, Alex Hudson and his chubby boy
1: face. Thank you, hello.
0: <laughs> and in the vein of Andrew Garfield with his perfect hair, Mark Barrett. That's a first? What? I'm
1: not, uh, yeah, I'm not sure anyone who's ever <laughs> seen Mark Barrett would say that his hair is perfect, but there we are. How dare you, sir? You know, but everyone has everyone always has said you have a chubby, chubby boy, boy face. face. Yeah, this is true.
0: Welcome to our... What are you? (laughs) Tom Holland for my sick flips.
1: You're a trash man. (laughs) You're a trash man.
0: As I said, welcome to our episode. Today we're talking Spider-Man Homecoming, the latest film from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. um, The first in partnership with Sony. Um, And we're going to go into full spoilers today. So if you've not seen this film, go watch it. Come back. And give
1: the episode Everyone who wants to see Spider Man's probably already seen it by now, let's be honest.
0: Well they've had five opportunities before this film. Six have included Civil War.
1: True enough, true enough. Good dig at Spider Man, I think. Yeah, take that Spider Man. Yeah, okay. Too many films. Yes.
0: <laughs> Six films for Spider Man, zero for Gambit. Oh no, in Origins Wolverine.
1: Gambit will never be made. <laughs> I'm neck. gonna I'm gonna maintain <laughs> that, that, that solo film is not happening.
2: I'm still waiting for Captain
1: Britain. <laughs> But that it, one it is coming.
0: you are what? I, I have not told you this. They're, there oh. is,
1: they're in talks to uh, to get some movement on that soon. So, watch this space? Award? No, no one yet.
2: I'm really intrigued. It's who who gonna, is your choice? I have no idea. I'm normally just. I didn't think it was ever
1: happen. Okay, uh, I reckon for Captain Britain. Okay, sidebar. Before we get into the <laughs> Spider-Man thing, <laughs> you want the most British actor ever?
0: So Piers Brosnan. I'm going for Charles. He James. is Irish.
1: That is not British. Yeah, but remember they James fought James, for that freedom. Remember,
0: James Bond is a British spy, but somehow Pierce Brosnan got in there. Yeah,
1: I know. But when George I say Lazenby most, got in there. That's Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no more the more British than Sean Connery. Bring him back, apart from the fact that he doesn't live in Britain because of the tax. <laughs> um, who would you go for? You want someone, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant, there, we are. <laughs> there we are, Hugh Grant, <laughs> Captain Britain. You're welcome, um, Marvel. Um, 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 hi is hi, he Marvel. Hi there, are you, are you Tony yeah. Stark? <laughs> I think he'd be good. And hey, Florence Foster Jenkins, he was really good in. You saw it as well, didn't you, Mark? I have seen that, yeah. It's the best he's ever been, which is saying yeah. something, because he's usually terrible.
2: <laughs> it's the best thing about that film.
0: Welcome <laughs> to our <Oz laughs> spider
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. okay, so it's spoilers guys So
2: Spoilers, Florence <laughs> Foster Jenkins is pretty good Sweet yes. <laughs> <It's pretty> top Sweet <laughs> top That's now surprise. if you haven't seen Florence Foster
1: Jenkins <laughs> So let's talk about Simon Helberg In Florence Foster Jenkins <laughs> uh, Okay, so let's Let's get into the meat of the issue Shall we? Okay. By starting off, as ever, with our plot summary Mark Barrett oh,
2: God. Yes. One line
1: plot summary If you can I'm,
2: I'm allowed to spoil um, Yeah, yeah, all the spoils Spider-Man is struggling to go back to being just normal kid at school after Tony Stark ruined his life by bringing him into Civil War. So he doesn't and goes back to being Spider-Man.
1: Sweet, good job. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it. That's that's a good summary. I mean, ruins his life. Uh, that might be. Uh, no, I guess without this. Mm-hmm. You brought him into a battlefield. He is a 15-year-old kid. How much did he love that? Yeah,
0: but the thing is, he had no reason to do so, like, apart from selfish reasons. Like... Spider-Man was he got into faith in into Civil War's battle.
1: the same salvages. as Obi-Wan Kenobi did with uh, that little Luke Skywalker yeah, the selfish
2: reasons being it will sell better if we have Spider-Man <laughs> in it now. Mm. I don't think he was on the... Maybe he was on the board of Sony.
1: More people will buy tickets to this film if we put Spider-Man in one scene.
0: Like in that Sony hack, there's just like a message from Tony Stark.
1: <laughs> so, let's do initial thoughts, first of all. What did we think of Spider-Man Homecoming? Is it a hit? Is it a miss? Andy, start with
0: you. I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, it was great seeing a young Spider-Man, a Spider-Man that was age appropriate. I yep. think they handled a lot of the kid stuff well. I do have some criticisms of the film. I don't think it's, for me at the moment, it's not standing that as the best Marvel's ever done, like is with some people out there. But I think that it is one of their stronger ones. It is, it is a strong Spider-Man film.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. Barrett? I
2: concur. Yeah, hit. it's great. It's really good. It um, is. I largely agree with you on on. I think to the point where we actually went through after seeing it and said, "Where does it rank in your MCU films?" I mean, you had pretty much the same idea on that yeah. as well. So I, I kind of agree with you entirely.
1: Yeah, I think it's. I think it's a real treat, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, a treat. <laughs> as we as we discussed last week, the you know it's been an up and down ride throughout the last 15, 20 years now. So it's nice to see a film that really, I think, hits a tone that feels like it resonates with that character, mm. uh, particularly because we've had we've had issues with the tone of previous films sometimes, either they've been too dry or too campy. Well, this one hits, I think, both sides of it pretty well and walks that, that tightrope better yeah. than I thought it would have, actually. Um, particularly coming into it, because... It's an unknown quantity. you know. They've got their hands back on this character and you don't know what they're going to do with it.
0: No, because when you think they've made so many efforts to um, reinvent him as well, especially when you look at the amazing Spider-Man compared to Spider-Man, they tried to reinvent him and then ended up falling into the same traps to then have to reinvent something again. Mm -hmm. Like, how successful will you be? And we all go, oh yeah, Marvel know what they're doing with these characters, they know a lot about these characters, so it's going to be fine. But actually, there's still that trepidation of, will they actually get this right? Yeah. And I think this film showed that actually, yes, they do probably know a lot more about these characters than anyone else, because they created them. Mm. They've got the right creative people and the right creative process and in the right, in the right places. Yeah, But you're right, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a worry going in. But yeah. uh, I suppose... My fears were laid a little when I watched Civil War and saw him in that, and went, "Actually, I think they know what they're going to do with this." So, yeah, I think
1: that was that was the first time that you got to see that, and you went, oh, "Okay, I think good good hands here. <laughs> I think all we need is more of this and to expand on his world outside of what it is to be Spider-Man, because so much of his life is school stuff as well, and that's yeah. something that the particularly the the Raimi trilogy." You got the first one was high school, and then he moved up to college. I think by number two, and you never really got the idea that this was just a Spider-Man. You got the uh, the idea that this was, hey, this guy's a newspaper reporter guy, taking photos of everything. Who at one point was in school, yeah. school whilst also being Spider-Man.
2: Yeah, to be fair, I think the 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 best thing I can say about this film, well, the, the best selling point for me for anyone who's potentially interested, is that I think the biggest pot off at the moment for Potential Spider-Man fans is that kind of uh, you've you've had what five films in in twelve years, thirteen something like uh, About fifteen, 15 years, years now, years. yeah. Like that, and you know th- that's two different versions, and we're now getting a third. Like the the idea of going into this, what well, is essentially his origin, I suppose, because mm. it is his origin in this universe, to see that origin story again and to go through those motions again. It, it, I can imagine it's going to be a bit. I mean, it was for me a bit like, oh god, I, I, I want to kind of get this Here out the we way it again. Went, Yeah, exactly, and see the same villains and stuff. But this does a really good job of going away from all the others. This isn't really his kind of origin story as such. No, um, his, his origin is put in one
0: line, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. It yeah. said
2: you were bitten by a radioactive spider. Yeah, it's kind of a throwaway line, and that's that, and that's all they focus on, on. That so you kind of just more get. It's more like it just um, a couple of days in the life of after the events of Civil War and that's that's the road they go down with it and that's great and, mm. then, and and again like all the other the side characters and stuff the vast majority of them are new side characters they're not the ones you've seen in previous films you know there's a the different villain for a start yeah. like Henchman and the purposes of them doing what they're doing is very different to before so I think they've, they've done a really good job of taking something that we've seen an awful lot of and doing that reinvention properly and going down totally new avenues with it and exploring that
1: yeah I agree. Good stuff. Well done, guys. Okay, so... What do... Uh, so, let's let's get slightly more detailed in terms of what was the good stuff about it what was the bad stuff about okay. it. So, let's start off with the bad stuff. Get it out of the way, because I do want to feel like we're actually praising this film, because we will be. Mm-hmm. And it would be a shame if we had to go, but on the other hand... Yeah. So, I think if we start bad, go good, then it at least gives the impression that we are... I mean, And to be fair, we give praise where praise is due normally. It's just not our fault that most of the DC films were rubbish. (laughs) So, and occasional Star Wars. Well,
2: I've still not seen Wonder Woman, so as far as I'm concerned, all of the DC stuff is still rubbish. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I
1: still stand by Man of Steel. Never mind. It's a decent film. Okay, so, um, bad stuff first. um, Because you said there were certain things about it that didn't work for you. Andy, could you give me a, like, an example?
0: The thing is, most most of this film does work for me. Uh, my problem became whenever it went to um, a nighttime fight scene mm. in this, because you get so you've got Spider-Man fighting the Vulture, and towards the end of the film, if you've seen it, you know there's um, the bit on the plane where the plane is using some kind of mirror technology. It's the same stuff that the carriers use um, in Avengers, so basically, it can mask itself in the sky. Vulture and Spider-Man are fighting on there. And I found it incredibly difficult to follow. Mm. Um, well, as soon as it was dark, because the panels are kind of flashing, Spider-Man is somewhere on that plane, and we know the Vulture is somewhere in the sky. And I just found that sometimes, as soon as it came to like a nighttime scene, it did become hard to follow. And that scene especially, I at one point I just went, well, I have no fucking idea who's fighting what. Well, I know who's fighting what, but I have no idea <laughs> where they're doing it. Who, who's just been hit? Who's flying around, that could be Spider Man swinging around, that could be the Vulture, I just couldn't tell. Mm -hmm. So I kind of went, I hope that the panels kind of turn them off, turn off, so it kind of clears it up. But I know, I've spoken to other people about this, and they said they found a lot of the nighttime stuff really hard to follow. Mm -hmm. As soon as it became night, tried to follow what Spider because as soon as it's daytime, he sticks out quite well in the the light, you know, and you think the same at night, but actually he kind of disappears a little bit. And it's hard to follow, and it's... Basically, all the things that I'm going to say are quite nitpicky. Mm. But I think at the same time need to be said.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sure. Uh, Well, there's two nighttime fight scenes. (laughs) And both of them are quite... I mean, obviously, because it's nighttime and you're fighting on top of a plane, there isn't going to be much natural light out there. However, yeah, that is an issue. Because sometimes you can feel slightly disorientated by it and going, I'm not 100% sure. Whether that's a creative choice that they made to say, you know that this is what it's going to be like if you're fighting up on a plane <laughs> at 30,000 feet. It's a good point, you know. But I, I do feel like it's it's maybe one thing that might mar your enjoyment of mm. that section. It doesn't really mar my enjoyment because I don't particularly care for fight scenes. <laughs> so my enjoyment is marred nonetheless. Um, but I get what you're saying. It, it can detract from your enjoyment of that bit, particularly at the climax of it. Mm. Although I felt like once they were on the ground, it became a little bit more coherent about yeah. who was where. So I think it's it's largely the stuff that's in the air that really... But the problem is, that's, to... a big,
0: that's a big set piece. It's put out there as a big set piece. It's mm. a final set piece. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of your big show, show piece to kind of go, oh, this is kind of your hero villain battle. And I just felt that it kind of dulled it a bit. Mm. And, you know, like I said, I really... It, enjoyed this film, All right, up until that point I enjoyed it afterwards, it's that it's kind of like the black hole of where I just go come on, come on, surely some... I, it might just be me you know, but somebody must have noticed that that's hard to watch
1: mm. Mark, your opinions on that slash another thing that you didn't like about the film?
2: Um, I agree with you on that um, i got something different I think that um, I always find interesting when you come into these sort of like superhero films one thing I always quite find interesting about um, kind of the choices and decisions you make going forward is the from kind of comic book to screen is how like powerful, you describe your person as on screen, and uh, the the key point to this, I suppose, is Magneto across X Men seems to have a totally, <laughs> totally changing <laughs> from film to Let, film. Yeah. Let's yeah. never
0: try and exp- explore the power levels of the X Men. Trust me, yeah. you're going to be here for days.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the point is, is that you know coming into this, we'd, we'd seen him a little bit in Civil War, but in mm. Civil War, he's coming against a bunch of people that we know an awful lot about, and you you get a bit of him, but you don't get an awful lot in terms of what he's capable of. Mm. Um,
1: and actually, the thing that helps him most in that fight is the surprise factor. I suppose. Yeah. None of them are aware of what he's doing. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and the fact that in that fight they're not actually trying to hurt each other. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there is even lines in there that says you're pulling your punches and stuff. So, to the point, to the point where you can go, if he looks like he's of equal standing to in you know in a fist fight to say Captain America, maybe he's not because Cap is pulling. Which is actually said in this film, remember? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so the point is, if, if you he don't, wanted to kill you, he would have killed you. Yeah. 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 So the the point is, is that. It's an indication of what he can do, but it is not an indication of how powerful he actually is yep. and, and what natural abilities he has and what his suit does and that sort of thing. Um, and my one kind of great with this film more than anything is that he seems take he I mean, take the suit out for a second. Like he seems relatively indestructible in his like physical form. Mm-hmm. He kind of got like thrown against the ground from height, stamped on with metal legs, stabbed, like, and none of this stuff really phased him or anything, and. There's the one thing I've, I, you know, I really like about this film is that I think it's more child-friendly. I think a lot of the combat is toned down a bit. There's there's very little there's blood at all.
1: That's why away. it's so dark. So the kids yeah. can't see. So Come on, Andy. See, they, they they think country. of the kids.
2: <laughs> and I do really like that kind of comic book edge of things. Like, you know, sorry, childhood yeah. comic book edge of things. Because it felt more like a comic fight than, than other mm-hmm. films. Then saying Winter Soldier, which is far more visceral. Mm. Um, but my kind of gripe with that is, with this being part of the MCU... I don't know how that's going to work when he goes into a proper big fight with the Avengers mm. and how you're going to try and stay true to what you've now set up. Well, I suppose the question off the back of that is
0: if Spider-Man does eventually end up going into these Sony movies, the Venom movies are rated. Yeah. If yeah, you've yeah, got exactly. a child friendly Spider-Man yeah. how mm. do you mar that?
1: But we know that he's not but maybe he is because they keep saying different things on different <laughs> days so we just have no idea at this point do we? I mean, that's... Again, that's going to be... I I would doubt heavily that he'll come up in Venom. That's next year.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Nah, that won't happen.
2: I, I don't think it will happen either, but it doesn't mean it can't happen f- in the future. Yeah, You can have a Venom solo now that doesn't have a minute, but then you can bring the two together sure. later. Which, personally, I think is the better way of doing things. Yeah. But, but you're, you're right. If you do go down that route... In the same way that it's the argument of whether or not Deadpool can ever make into the X-Men universe. Can he? Because... Uh, it's different now they can moments, make it into
1: think, his but... but can he make it into theirs yeah. yeah exactly
2: and and I think that that kind of comes now I'm kind of it is a nitpick to be fair but like even if you don't go into say Venom and go to the, as you say he's not going to be an R-rated because he totally changed the tone of his film I'm now just thinking it's like the I don't want him to become a, a position where I understand what Spider-Man can do but I don't get what levels he can do it to, and mm. I would hate it if you go into like the next film and something takes him out. And you go, hang on a minute, you suffered far worse than that last time round, yeah, and we're yeah. totally fine. And that's the sort of thing that that starts to mar my kind of, um, I don't know, my catharticism mm. in the films, where you can just kind of get lost in it because I'll start asking questions, and that's not what you I you start. Want to do. You start kind of thinking
0: about those things more, and then you kind of you find you're thinking about that more than you're actually
2: watching. The yeah, film. exactly. Yeah, I'll take over what I want to do. But, um, you know, it's very, it's very much a slight thing.
1: And that's a, that's an issue that I think many superhero films tend to suffer from, particularly within the first film yeah, of, the, of, the, of whichever franchise it is. Mm. I think you often get that idea of them going, well, we'll do this and then we'll figure it out actually later. And then you go, right, but that first film now exists and you put that out there. So if you now change the levels to which you can do things, then... What does that mean about that first film? That you didn't know what you were doing, or that you did know what you were doing and just did it anyway, regardless of the fact you wanted to level it back. Um, So I, you know, it's interesting that you know, in terms of stuff that we didn't particularly like about the film, we can pick a couple of small points. I
0: wanted to ask you about another bit as well Mm. Um, because I was speaking to um, Anthony McCormack, friend of the podcast. Enemy of the um, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but we were, we were talking about this, and he brought up the fact that he didn't like the Spider-Man suit. Not the way it's designed or anything, but what he didn't like was he said it was basically an Iron Man suit. Yeah. Because of all the gadgets and the voice inside mm-hmm. it and everything like that, he said it was less about what Spider-Man can do, but more about what the suit can do. And I just wondered what your thoughts are on that. Like, I think... I can completely understand people not liking Sure, I
1: Sure, I can understand that, but I can understand exactly why they've done it this way. If Tony Stark is the man who has built his suit, which is true because that's, mm. that's the suit he got from him in Civil War, isn't it? Because previously he was wearing that jumper. Yeah. And that's basically it. It would make sense that Tony Stark wants to equip him with the best suit possible. Right? Mm. Because if he's bringing him in on his side of the fight, then that's what he gets. So surely, if he's using this as training wheels, it allows him to monitor, as we, as we see within the film he uses it as sort of training wheels and then he hacks into it and manages to take the limiters off. But I think it makes perfect sense within this universe that it is a Stark suit rather than a Spider-Man homegrown, homemade suit or whatever he Mm. ended up doing. Maybe down the line he'll get something of his own where he's in charge of the design of it, you know. Say, but do, you, do
0: you think it takes? I don't
1: think it takes away from the film at all, and I think it makes perfect sense within this universe.
0: Do you think it takes more away from the fact that in Spider-Man kind of history, he creates his own suit because it, does it take away from the fact that Peter Parker is actually a genius who can create his own his own suits? He could create like we see him create his own webbing and stuff. Do you think that kind of?
1: He's a genius, you know, but he's, he's not a tailor. <laughs> so my my <laughs> argument would be, yeah, maybe he can create the material, but I don't think he could cut it properly. So my argument there would be he might end up with just like a robe like <laughs> a cape, wearing a sheet. Like, like a red and blue ghost.
0: A cape and like some kind of like burlesque mask.
1: Yeah, so for for me it doesn't take away from the fact that he's a genius because you still see him making the web fluid and stuff like that in this film. Hmm. So you you still get that idea and you see that he is obviously a whiz kid in school because when he actually tries to focus in school, he's there answering all the questions correctly, blah, blah, blah. So I still got enough of that and I understand exactly where the character's at and I think within the MCU, it's necessary that Tony Stark, if he's going to play this sort of mentor role he would have some direct involvement in the -hmm. way that uh, Peter Parker conducts his business. And this is the perfect way for me.
2: See, I agree with you in this film. Mm -hmm. I think that's entirely correct. And I also think it worked well in this film to go, you know, you're a 15-year-old kid, I've given you the suit more to look after you. In the sense of he's already, like, you know, Spider-Man has already been doing Spider-Man stuff before he went into Civil War. That's been very much low-level stuff, you know, trying to stop robbers Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, But you you even see clips of that in Civil War, don't you, really briefly. Um, And so start giving him the suit is more like I can then help protect him a bit because he's going to do it regardless of what I say and at least I can give him something to help safeguard him. But I can also, like you say, put in safeguards to make sure he doesn't use too much stuff too soon. Yeah. Um, So I think it works within the context of this film. The thing I'm concerned about is going forward later down the line, like the next film or the one after, as he gets a little older and kind of... identifies his own style more of the superhero he wants to be, I don't think he will be able to use a Stark suit anymore because I don't think you can have 500 different web mm. you know attacks. Like, I, th- no, I, I do think like the too- fact that
0: that's what the suit allows him to do. It allows him to have these different types of webbing and stuff that, you know, the kind of the stuff that you want to see Spider-Man be able to use, and Mm -hmm. it gives him that opportunity, like stuff like the web grenades and things like that. Which is also
1: from the 1999 video game, so I'm I'm well on board. (laughs) When I watched
0: watched him um, using some of those web combinations, I was like, I remember using them. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I am Spider-Man. I think
1: the other important thing is, uh, you've got to remember, the voice of Karen is a really useful thing to have in that film Mm. at that time, because it is a source of more comic relief, which this film is not short on in the first <laughs> place. Let's be honest. Yeah. But I think some of the biggest laughs towards the tail end of the film were made by that. You know that idea of being like, oh, you should tell her, yeah. uh, tell her you love her or whatever that Unless during a
0: moment. Th- Peter, yeah, or
1: and and it's kind of like, oh, okay, I get what you're doing with this character now. Hmm. So it's not just another Jarvis voice. It's something that actually feeds into Spider-Man having this older woman's voice in his head, basically. <laughs> Who's just like no? You could be anything you want to be, and encouraging that sort of level yeah. of um, on his on a personal level at least. Whereas maybe on a professional level, it's kind of like, hey, calm down because you know you're just fucking fifteen years old. Um, but I I really liked it, I have to say. So I don't know. Maybe it, it works for some people. It won't work for yeah. others. I I'm guaranteeing. You,
0: I also feel like like I said I I didn't mind the suit. I'm just really paying a no devil's advocate here, but mm. um the one. The one thing as well is to think about if um, Robert Downey Jr. is going to drop out of the MCU at some point, which Mm -hmm. you imagine he will do in the next few films because he's been in it for so long. Um, You know, it gives a familiarity about Spider-Man. Yeah. That suit, if if it has like the kind of Iron Man suit kind of aesthetic and the Iron Man suit kind of voice... It allows that kind of an easy transition into. Yeah, I think it's honestly done to tie it into the MCU. And will probably be the future of the Avengers. Mm. Spider Man will probably be that because he is still one of the most recognizable superheroes of all time. So it's an easy transition into a new leader
1: eventually. Yeah. Uh, All right, well, let's move on, talk about the good stuff what nothing okay right well now let's talk about well that's it uh see you next time uh no okay so let's let's try and highlight some good stuff about it uh i'll start off i think the high school stuff is pretty much universally great yeah the conversations he has with his friends the conversations he has with his teacher you know the teachers play a minor minor role in this but uh are sort of very familiar characters to you if you've ever seen something like Ferris Bueller's Day you've Off. You've to or, a school. You know, any, any sort of 80s high school movie, there is that echo yeah. within this. Um, I think from the moment you step inside that school and you see that school news report on the school TV channel where they're talking about the homecoming dance and it's like, have you got your date? I know I have. And then it just shows that close that up face of the guy's something. face and he's just like, arr, arr. <laughs> <laughs> that that instantly had me laughing. And from the moment that we set foot inside that school, I was smiling throughout and laughing throughout. No,
0: absolutely. As soon as I saw that moment, I went, okay, that's what this school, this, that's what this high school stuff's like. I, I know what you're going to do.
1: I like that. Yeah, I mean, even stuff down to you know when you've got the gym teacher showing them the video and oh, the Captain
0: America and, and really the Captain, about and Captain America it just goes going, amazing. and
1: that's why my good buddy here, your gym teacher, he just kind of goes, "That's me." <laughs> so I see you've made
0: your way into detention. <laughs>
1: They were now they are really good additions to this it film. Also had, I think.
0: It also makes one of my favourite post credit sequences I've had so far, oh, yeah. which is when he comes on right at the and he's like some people say patience is a virtue. Sometimes you're around and you're like, was this worth waiting
1: for <laughs> Like I think they, they work really well and again another element of them trying to tie it more to something that isn't just Iron Man. And
0: the thing is it's exactly the kind of thing you can imagine Captain America being brought in to do mm. to to be these like, oh you go do these videos so that kids will aspire to beat you. Um, no, they, Again, it shows they, a different side to the Avengers. They really worked for me. Um, although that that end credit thing where he's like, "Oh, patience is virtue," is obviously a big play on. Oh, you've waited around. Is was well, this actually worth seeing? You know, you keep waiting. Like, take it's kind of like taking a jab at their own thing. Yeah. Um, I came out at the cinema afterwards. I heard two kids go. Well, that wasn't worth waiting for. That's the worst one. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, and I was like,
1: "Kid, you're, you're missing gonna... a layer of subtext there that I I think you will come to appreciate in later years." <laughs>
0: yeah. But no, the high school stuff was was great for me, like um, including like the stuff where um, the kids like, "What are you standing there for?" Um, I'm just hanging around you, chess club.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean the. the... The relationships between him and the other kids, I think, mm-hmm. really work well, which is great. For the first time in a Spider-Man film, we're able to say that you you really believe in the well, he's relationships. Not, he's not
0: with... a loner in this one. Like, he's 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 an outcast. Mm. But if you think about, but like... he's
1: got his debate team or his whatever they are not debate team. Yeah,
2: decathlon. Decathlon. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Scholastic
1: decathlon. Scholastic decathlon. There we are, because decathlon is a very different thing, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, I think. It, though. I think yeah. that, sort, that sort of loser's <laughs> club almost, that, that breakfast club vibe that you've got there, yeah, I think really works. The fact that they're, they're a bunch of oddballs, essentially. And again, it's going to be a bit like in It later in the year, where we see this bunch of oddball sort of loner figures who come together and form a greater power. Whereas in this one, it's just like, well, one of them's got a greater power, the other ones are just really good at maths. And that,
0: they're not, <laughs> don't forget, they're not all oddballs, though. No. Because... There are people who, a lot of them are, but then you've also got um, your main girl Liz, Liz Um who's, 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 who's seemingly a very popular, popular girl. girl, yeah. And then you've Flash. got Flash, who is a dickhead. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, a weaselly bully. I I love what they do with Flash in this. Because, yeah, I think
1: I think that's great. Yeah, um,
0: because normally he's this big Hawking kind of uh, bully character who's a bit dumb. But this, he's he's obviously got some smarts to him. Yeah, but he's one of those bullies that's clearly
1: just a ratty weezer. That's the thing.
0: He's one of those guys who, and anyone would have seen this kind of person, of they're no bigger or no better than the person they bully, but they do it because they've got the, the mouth more than anything else. Mm. And they're just a consistent dickhead to the people. And I was there like, yes, that's that's a really nice way to take it because... He is no better than... Even, even if Peter Parker wasn't Spider-Man, he is no real better than him. Mm-hmm. But he's able to berate him and bully him um, in a in a more psychological way than physical. Yeah. And uh, and I thought that was a really nice... Really school rep. Yeah. Than yeah. By calling him Penis Parker. <laughs> Classic pun. <porn.
1: laughs> uh, I... I Barrett, have you got anything you'd like to add currently, or to Penis Parker. Inter- yes, to Penis Parker? Have you got any more puns on oh, Penis I'm Parker? i got him good. Out. Um, in terms of stuff that you thought really worked for the film, I mean, I've got something else lined yeah. up, but it seems like you're just chewing over Penis Parker in your
0: mouth.
2: You <laughs> 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 oh, <Laughlin>. are Flash.
1: That <laughs> no, is true. I'm the Flash. Um, Th- flash Thompson.
2: Flash Gordon. I've gone to Vulture. Vulture. I went to Vulture because I really liked Vulture. Yeah. Um, And I like Vulture for a number of reasons. Um, It's A, it's Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton does a really good job in this. Um, Look, the best, like I said earlier about this, for me feeling like a more child-friendly film, um, Vulture plays into that. And, And One of the ways that they do that with him is that he is not evil for evil's sake. He's not evil particularly at all. They kind of go down the Sandman role of he's doing stuff for his family, but instead of it being like, um, he's a he's a criminal that's going against the. You know, he's just committing crimes because he needs to fuel his family. Also, like Scott Lang, I suppose. Yeah. Um, this is kind of more like. It, yes, he is a criminal that is doing these things, but he is exactly mimicking what Tony Stark did. Yeah. Way back in the day. Exactly. He's just doing it with far less budget, and therefore it is easier to to kind of pinpoint as a villain. Um, he, he he kind of has this like comic book style to him that means that he's not overly aggressive he doesn't really th- he threatens to kill one person I think and it's very much a passing comment he accidentally kills one person <laughs> because he picks up the wrong weapon which is a great moment yeah, yeah. it's a really good moment yeah his basic kind of story or character I guess that he's he's supposed to be part of the clear up team that was hired to do when the uh, by the Chita- city yeah, yeah by the city when the Chitari attacked in the original Avengers film um which is then overturned by uh, damage, control. damage Control, which comes into this. Yes, Damage Control. Which is something run in part by Tony Stark. So they end up kicking him off you know, this quite lucrative contract. And he's going, like, well, you know, my entire crew need this job. This is our actual jobs. Mm. Like, that's and how I we support existence. our family. Um, and they end up stealing a bit of the technology that they were excavating. And they use it to make weapons, which they then sell. To obviously, and, and they become quite successful. At it. It's like a small underground weapons dealership mm. mm. developing new technologies. Um, hence how he's able to develop the vulture outfit and that's what he uses to kind of go in and steal moving tech um but that that plays in really well to this idea of it's not like a world ending scenario which i love because i hate the the whole world ending scenarios particularly when it's a solo film Uh, there's no sky donuts that's great um but he also ends up becoming quite a personal villain in the sense that um like, like, I'm spoiling um, he ends up discovering Peter Parker as Spider-Man in this Spoiler. fantastic scene when he's like um, driving them to the prom. that
1: car scene that, and in fact the preceding scene in the house yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that sort of 10-15 minute chunk <laughs> is amazing it's not only, and actually at times is kind of you you kind of go oh I'm getting a bit of what Peter must be feeling yeah. at this point. Yeah, but it's then, a bit of a chill. Yeah, but then also being intensely funny as well because okay. you're losing because you as the audience know both sides to this already and you're there just like and there there is so much stuff that comes out of the Liz and Peter conversation in the back seat where you're just like oh man oh don't say it don't say it don't yeah. say it oh god but yeah that that scene. Well, I
2: mean, even like you said from from going in the house, the beautiful thing about how they set that scene up. So essentially. Um, Peter ends up going to prom with Liz, who happens to be, as we then discover at that point, the daughter of Michael Keaton. Mm. And uh, Peter now knows that Michael Keaton is, is at least heavily involved, if not Vulture himself. Um I think at that point he knows he does. Yeah, yes, he does, yeah,
1: because seen him on the um on the boat.
2: Yeah, yeah. But um but Vulture doesn't know is Peter Peter. at Spider-Man. So when like, you know, Michael Keaton opens the door and stuff and, and Peter Parker's just there and he's like absolutely Uh, Flabbergasted by the fact that his villain Is now just walking around his (laughs) house and stuff And asking if he wants a drink And things like that And he's doing the whole kind of like Dad's test questions Mm. And Peter Parker looks like Really like shell-shocked But you get the impression from kind of Michael Keaton's perspective—he's just there, like I'm
1: just doing, I'm just doing my best job of scaring this kid away from touching my daughter. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. (laughs) yeah. And there's that really nice, (laughs)
2: there's that really nice realism to it of going like, even if you had none of that sub story that we already know about of the whole superhero stuff, I can totally see this as being a real scene of a really nervous kid like that. Is the correct
1: answer? that's really good. It's like another correct answer. It's it's good stuff, and I think it really works. And I think it's important to have a villain who, no, number one, yeah, you're right, it's not a world-ending event, which is so important in particularly in solo films, and particularly within Spider-Man, I think. <laughs> if you've got a 15-year-old kid who is your friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man, mm. to throw him into his first film and have a world-ending event yeah. I'd say to throw him into any film, but that's just... <laughs> but to, ha- to certainly throw him into his first film and have a world-ending event being the thing that finishes this, the film, that isn't how you play it, no. for me. And I think the, the the brilliant thing they did with Vulture was that they managed to get the other side of the story that we've seen so many times. Yeah. And it is that thing that I've wanted to see the accountability stuff done properly. And this feels like it kind of covers that. Yeah. And covers it more so than I think Civil War managed to do for me. So it's great to see that low level impact that these huge superhero world ending events fights have. Mm-hmm. On people who are just that, and it's that it's like that thing you you want to see what what effect it has on the street sweepers or the you know on yeah. the municipal clerks or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So for for me, it was important to be able to see another side. So we haven't just got a villain where it's just like, oh, okay, well he's the brother of a god, so therefore he's probably going to be evil because he's yeah. the god of tricking, and you know that's usually quite evil.
0: To be fair, that they were all setting themselves up for a fall, there weren't they? When they're like. You're a god of mischief
2: and trickery, and he's like But be good. Yes. <laughs> but don't don't do anything
1: mischievous or trickery. But be a anything I wouldn't do. Uh so yeah, I think I think the Vulture was a really strong point for this film. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. Now, is he is ever he... referred to in the film as the Vulture? I don't think so. I didn't think he was. No, I had to I had to rack my brains for it earlier. I was thinking I don't think he is I don't think they ever explicitly referred to him as the vulture because you never see any newspaper headlines so the fucking criminal known as the Vulture, because he largely operates under the radar.
2: No, so, Birdman might, when he talks to his friends... Yeah, he like I'm sure he calls him just the bird guy. Oh, the flyer Birdman. <laughs> yeah,
1: Birdman. <laughs> Birdman. Or the... Like the guy <laughs> that lost out to Weddy Redmayne. <laughs>
0: But um, the thing is, when you watch the way his suit works, well, it is quite bird-like. I think it, it, he looks aesthetically really cool as well. Yeah, the way they've updated
1: um, the costume works, I But think.
0: What, what I was going to say off the back of the World End event stuff and why it suits... I said to, I think, uh, both of you when we left, I, the thing I like about Spider-Man more than anything is his villains aren't World Enders. Yes. Like, his villains are people that will affect the... Like, his rogues gallery... They should only be effective, really, New York. You know, um, Green Goblin isn't going to destroy the world, and I think my theory on this is a lot of the time when I look at Spider-Man villains, I think if you put them against most of the other Avengers. Mm they would win like if you put four against Green Goblin four wins yeah. Iron Man against Green Goblin Iron Man wins Captain America's probably got a good chance you know and it's the same as when you look on the opposite All side the has got... got a pretty good chance <laughs> shoot, shoot arrow into his glider done um, but when you look the other side at Batman like Batman also has a really strong rogues gallery and if you put any of Batman's villains against any of the other of um, the Justice League they would probably lose The villains would probably lose, and the reason why I think their rogues' galleries have such a you have such a connection to the villains because there is a palpable sense of danger. It's because they seem like people. They seem like people, and all they're trying to do is get a foothold in a city. When you look at most of the villains of Batman, most of the villains of Spider Man, all they're really trying to do is get footholds, and they're and they're not trying to destroy the world for some nefarious purpose. They're just trying to get by in whatever way they can, and I think that really shines through with the Vulture. He is a character who just wants to get by. He's not—he's not really there, like creating these weapons so that somebody can take over the world and he'll be in a better place because people remember what he's done. He's doing it just to make money, mm. just to make money so that he can then feed his family and the families of the people who work for him. Yeah. There's nothing big there, and um, there's nothing. He feels a
1: responsibility it, towards his employees because yeah. it's so insulated.
0: That kind of idea—that's an idea that people can understand, and it gives this kind of sympathetic edge to him. Um, And I think that's what's important. That's how they've created what is a really good villain in the Vulture.
1: Yeah. Uh, Right, well, we won't spend too much more time talking about good and bad bits because we we now know what they are, by and large. Let's talk about Spider-Man himself. (laughs) We may as well. We're a fair way into the episode. We may as well talk about the main man himself. We we do do this a lot. Is he the best Spider-Man you've seen? Is he the worst Spider-Man you've seen? Is he in between? Discuss. But not for too long. (laughs) Okay, now you have to talk. (laughs) I don't know. I think it's... Still chewing over old Penis Parker over there. Uh, So, for me, I would say... I'm looking at it and going at least it's a fresh approach to the character and yeah. it feels fresh. I mean I think a lot of that is down to the screenplay. I think it's a really strong screenplay. Uh but I think the the blending of the sort of the work life as it were the Spider-Man stuff and the home life and the school life I think that all comes together pretty well. I think it's a it's a difficult juggling act to pull off, but if you do it 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 pays off big time. And I think this is a film where you do feel like enough attention has been paid to both sides of the story to make you care about him on a personal level and not just as, hey, he's a superhero. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important, particularly when you're dealing with something that is a more personal story, I'd say. So for me, I I really enjoyed Tom Holland in this role. I think think they've cast really well. here. I mean, as we discussed, I think they've cast universally pretty well across the board on this film.
0: It really helps as well with his background of being a dancer and a gymnast that you can tell he's able to pull off some of the stuff that he does. Um, you know, I, I genuinely believe part of that stuff that spider Man's doing in this film isn't a stunt double, it's actually Tom Holland doing it.
2: Um, I actually checked at the end of the film to see if he had, it obviously he did have a couple of stunt doubles, but he had, I think, two stunt doubles, yeah. which is not a lot for to considering that he's in all of the set plays. So I'd be very impressed if anything that's not CGI, they may well have had for the more complex stuff, maybe, mm. but I think he did quite a lot of it himself. Yeah,
0: because he's a gymnast, he does free running, and the main thing is he's young as well. Yeah. He's young and he's willing to get involved, and I think that really helps. I think, yeah, the writing for him is really good. I The thing is, I really liked Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker. Um, my main criticism is he's probably a bit old, um, and seeing him in comparison to Tom Holland, you go, yeah, this seems like the right fit. Um, so, I don't know, I think over time I'll probably have more of an opinion. Mm-hmm. But straight off the bat I'm I'm struggling to actually say yes or no.
2: See, I liked Andrew Garfield, but I always had the problem with him as Peter Parker as opposed to Spider-Man. I think he was an excellent Spider-Man. Peter cool. Parker was pretty yeah, he was he was a little bit too he was more the kind of edgy alternative kid at school. Um, and you always get that impression the Mark you know. Barrett of absolutely the... yeah I'm mean, oh, not yeah. quite as, as Mark Barrett he's, he's not quite got it's the not bonnet. edgy enough he's not got the bonnet for that but um, now if, if in the sense that you know, you, you kind of cast. You say that Spider-Man, or you know, Peter Parker at school, supposed to be this kind of outcast. yes, yeah. and, and like you said earlier, he's kind of an outcast. But with the outcast group, that works for me. What I didn't like about Andrew Garfield, to an extent, is that he seems like the person that has chosen to be an outcast. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like that's part of his image. And that's they're
1: cool. like, I'm going to cultivate this image, and I'm going to be the the cool loner guy. Who's... Yeah,
0: he's a bit like what, and um, Zendaya is in this film, who mm-hmm. obviously we find out is Mary Jane. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Or, or Michelle MJ. MJ. MJ MJ not Mary Jane it's, but MJ it's because she smokes all that Mary Jane that's why she gets that name
1: I don't know what you could be talking about <laughs> I think it's a marijuana cigarette reference <laughs> and I shan't be partaking in that
2: <laughs> but you know she's a bit like that's, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that is that is closest to what Andrew Garfield was doing um, but for me that that doesn't suit that character so well. Whereas his Spider Man worked really well because he was quite a confident and quick wit in Spider Man and as well they had the kind of physical stunts that maybe the original Spider Man trilogy was whether it's technological or style choice, but wasn't quite up to that scratch for me. So I think that he's like I prefer this Spider-Man. I think Tom Holland is my favourite Spider-Man. But I think that it's largely because I had issues with both the other two. Mm. And this one so far. I'm not sure if he's as good a Spider-Man for me as, as Andrew Garfield. But he's a much better Peter Parker. And, and I think vice that... versa for Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Good. I think, uh, but again, like we say, I think the the cast on a whole. Even the tertiary characters that only get a few lines here and there. I think really work, no. you know, like uh, Hannibal Buress uh, as the coach oh, yeah. is perfect because that sort of humor really works for that character. Ned is really well Ned cast. is really good. Is
0: that that's his best
1: friend? Yeah. So yeah, his yeah, best yeah. friend Ned is played by Jacob Batalon. and I think they've got like. That really works. That chemistry. double act and he has, really
0: works. He has some great moments. Yes, that's like, a really good moment. I'll be
1: the I'll be the guy in the chair. It's like, <laughs> what do you mean, the guy in the chair? It's like, you know, everyone's got the guy in the chair with all the computer screens. So He's that's
2: just there in the live just comes in. She's like, what are you doing here? I'm looking at porn. porn? <laughs> Well, actually, my favorite thing about that, so the bit when he actually does become the guy in the chair for a little while, is that all of the stuff that he's actually looking up is stuff that's not particularly complicated, but is yeah. needed. So, like the main thing he's got to search for the, is he's got to follow a tracking device which is already on screen for him. So he's literally just got to tell him where it's going. He's got to try and call um, John Fowler yeah, We're happy. That's one. Um, and he's and got find to figure out use how to- a
1: manual for an Audi yeah, to exactly. find out how to turn on the headlights. <laughs> like it's and again, it it's small scale stuff, yeah. and it's the fact that. A 15-year-old kid has basically committed a carjacking and clearly doesn't know how to operate this car necessarily, you know, knows the basics and principles of driving, but doesn't know the ins and outs of this particular model. So, of course, he's going to be like, it's night time, I can't see, where are the headlights on this thing? And I was asking the
0: same question when he's fighting the vulture later,
2: so...
1: (laughs) he didn't but, have his Audi on the plane that's the problem but I just love that they managed to get him to do
2: the guy in the chair roll but without making it so it's like well how the fuck are you doing that the only time that that ever really yeah basically was... all this
1: information is Wikipedia yeah exactly
2: <laughs> the only time I ever had a gripe with that at any point in a film is when they managed to hack the suit yeah because you'd that's imagine Tony one, Stark would
0: have
2: the next best, level yeah, the best technology in terms of protecting stuff and, and I just I do not that's one thing that did bug me about it I was like there's no way that two 15 year old kids can mechanically hack yeah, the coding on. The yeah, suit.
0: but I like the fact that they did because it gave us that Insta kill. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, but you, you, kind of figure out my things the suit great, does. Yeah. Do you want me to enable Insta kill? The eyes just <laughs> go all red and tight. Or, or when it goes, Do you want me to activate intense interrogation mode. It's like it turns him <laughs> into Christian Bale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's yeah, um, good. But yeah, I, like I Donald Ruther I think's well cast.
1: Well. Yeah, again, small role, but, but does, I have seen Donald Glover so. does well within it, um, and also
0: means a big thing for the universe as well because he's playing the uncle of Miles Morales, who is the new in the Ultimate Universe, is Spider Man. So it means we could potentially get Miles Morales in this universe, which would be really cool.
2: Well, that's interesting. That's just another point I wanted to bring up, which is that uh, one thing this film does, like so, for example, like uh, Amazing Spider Man Two, one of the big, there's a lot of criticism for that film. One of the big criticisms. Is that um, it tried to bring in an awful lot of stuff to set up the next film to the point where a lot of that film felt like it was trying to set up what was coming next. Um, so you know, you got like little references to all the sinister sticks. You got Rhino in there for no apparent reason. And, hey, little Spidey Man, yeah, right. So you can... <laughs> an absolutely terrible, terrible Rhino. But in this, they actually they actually do plant an awful lot of kind of seeds to where this can go. So like you say, the whole Mars Morales possibility that is that's planted and is there. And it's it's an avenue that if they ever want to go down mm. they can. But it also doesn't in any way override because you're only going to know that if you do your research into or if you already know your research into Spider Man's comic book history to know that that mm. reference is there for that reason. You've got like Scorpion is is in this film technically, but he's in for maybe two seconds and you can only tell who he is because of the tattoo on his neck. Um You've got uh, the tinkerer is in this film, um, and I only knew the tinkerer was in this film at the very end because I saw his name in the credits and went, "Oh right, okay." So he actually was that guy—the the guy creating all. Yeah, the guy that's stuff. making the yeah. weapons yeah. for Vulture. He's he's actually the tinkerer, but it's never actually said in the film. So I was kind of like—I actually did at one point in the film go, y- "You do seem like a mechanic." I wonder if that's going mm. to. And only through the credits did I figure that out. But there's there's lots there's lots of kind of seeds planted for where this could go, but it doesn't set up any of them, if that makes sense. Well, yeah.
0: Did you hear the rumour of what they want, who, of a character they want in the next Spider-Man movie? Go on. Blade. The, I got told this, I I don't know where it's coming from or anything, but somebody told me this uh, the other day, and I was like, that doesn't seem right for me. Like, if you're gonna put Blade in, put him in Daredevil or something like that. Or give me his own Netflix show. I'd say if you put anyone in Spider-Man, put Daredevil in there.
1: Now, what's the difference between Blade and Morbius? Morbius is a villain, right? Yeah, I think Blade's so. more of a hero, but Blade has got a very close connection to Spider-Man. They've they've teamed up in comics for a long, long time now. Hmm. Well, so they, it Mo- makes Spider-Man's
0: sense. teamed up with a lot of those New York-based heroes, hasn't? he? Yeah,
1: but I, I specifically remember a lot of stuff regarding both Morbius and Blade, actually, in regards to Spider-Man. So I think it, it would be an interesting choice to go with. Hmm. I, just, uh, was, I didn't. Was, I, didn't I have to matter, say right? I haven't heard that rumor, but
2: uh, my only issue with that. Not want to go too much detail, I suppose, but is that if you want to put a Blade Spider-Man film together, I feel that of the of the two uh, that you'd want to focus on first, I'd rather focus on a solo Blade property and then introduce yeah, Spider-Man because yeah. he's a much easier character and an easier world to just go. Oh, by the way, it doesn't matter; it doesn't change anything about the existing universe. He's just a Spider-Man that is now here yeah. whereas Blade you've got to then bring in the whole vampire cult and the way that they operate I'd <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: love Spider-Man's only there just to fire webs through windows and pull people into the light like <laughs> dead <you> dead <laughs> dead I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, you're right it does do a really good job of, of setting stuff up without going yeah, that, without... what's really nice is yeah. if the Tinker is in this universe one thing I liked about the Vulture's costume is it's just mechanics it's not a specific suit that has to be worn by uh, Michael Keaton. Yeah, like and it, it doesn't drain
1: your youth and it doesn't no. do all this nonsense. But what,
0: what I like there, though, is that anybody could step into this. so if Michael Keaton doesn't come back or that he's in prison and they still want the Vulture out there, they just put another man in the Vulture suit. And if the Tinker's there and say all these suits are mechanical, like Scorpion's suit you'd imagine would be mechanical, yeah. uh, things like that, um, then it means that you could utilise him to create what could be a Sinister Six. Because yeah, yeah. Let's be honest, they're desperate to get a Sinister Six out there somewhere. Yeah. Like, Sony just have a Spider-Man board and all it says is Sinister Six in the middle.
1: <laughs> I think, well, to be honest, I think the Sinister Six does make sense, as long as you lay the groundwork well. And you're right, it's that idea of planting the seeds, but not necessarily shoving them in people's faces before you plant them and saying... Hey, look at these. Yeah. We're gonna bury these in the ground now, and in four this one years, this says Doc Ock. Yeah. yeah, I think I think they the the subtlety at which they put things into this film that do that do feed into the universe being out there, but don't necessarily set it up. I think you're right. That's really well pitched. I think yeah. that's the way to go with it, uh, which actually kind of rolls in what I was going to bring up next, which is sort of you know the future of the franchise. You know, <laughs> what do we think? Are we are we feeling positive going forward to finish Absolutely.
2: off? Yeah, I think so. I'm interested to know how um, the plans that MCU has for its overall kind of universe, you know, like the whole Phase three and Phase mm. 3 and all that, um, and how that's going to culminate, will affect his solo films. Because I appreciate that you know the solo films tend to operate on their own basis and maybe react to the stuff that's happened previously in the universe. But I also think that with what direction they go with after Infinity War and how that's going to play out, mm-hmm. will totally dictate the sort of villains that are going to come from the sort of storylines that are going to come up for those solo properties. He is, for me, certainly going to be one that's going to be, the, like you say, kind of take over or be the mainstay of, of the next Avengers after that, that, that this. But what happens in his solo films are going to be interesting Is to, where you bring more people in, as in you know, team-up films like yeah. does in the comics. So, like, like for example, if you're going to bring in a cynicistic storyline, that's fine, but I'm not sure whether you'd, you'd want just Spider-Man to focus on it, particularly when he can approach so many people that he knows through the Avengers. Mm -hmm. Why would he bother trying to take them alone? Particularly when the vast majority of them are based in New York. You can totally bring in whoever you want. So I'm I'm interested to know how that's going to dictate the futures of his stories. But in terms of the direction of taking this film in, in terms of the way they started it and set it up, uh, and like I say, the, the seeds that they've planted and the directions they can go in, the possibilities they've given themselves, yeah, I think they, they can do whatever they want, essentially, in the next one. Mm. So long as they do it with the same kind of yeah. ideals and, and themes that they put into this one, they can go whatever yeah. they want. Yeah, I,
1: I think you stick with the same sort of feel you've got in this film and I think you're on to a winner. No, I, absolutely. Think, I think their biggest thing is going to be retaining John Watts for a second film.
0: Well, the the interesting thing is, the rumor at the moment is that Spider-Man: Homecoming two, or whatever it ends up being called, Mm. is apparently going to take place four days after Infinity War.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Which means that whatever happens in Infinity War is going to have a massive effect on the universe. Well, this is the thing: everything is going to change after that, anyway. What I'm hoping happens, and I think it would be, if this is what happens, I'm hoping it does, because I think it'd be really interesting for not only this, but for any hero that's based in. New York or major cities but also stuff like the defenders is if whatever Thanos does creates really a power vacuum if the heroes are pretty much wiped out and then it becomes a huge power grab of anyone who's ever wanted to get power any villain who's wanted to kind of step up goes this is my time there's no one to stop me or steps up in the time of their heroes being away then it could create a really interesting situation where you get a lot of heroes having to kind of Try and take back control of the streets more than anything else. Mm. Um, and I think that could be a really interesting way to play it. And I'm, that's the only because four days after that huge movie, you wonder what could happen. Mm. Um, but like I said, the main thing though is as long as they keep the tone of this character and whatever happens in that film doesn't become world-ending, yeah. then it could. Then I'm I'm really interested to see more of what he has. And I really hope the partnership with Marvel and Sony continues to work
1: together It's a strong start, yeah.
0: yeah and I want it's... I want them to work together, and kind of see this as a success, so that anything that Sony does do, maybe they can have conversation with Marvel to see how that goes.
2: Do you see any possibilities for Fantastic Four or X Men? Well, I on this? I spoke
0: about this last time. It's it's what I I said <laughs> although I like the films. I really want the X Men films to tank, yeah, so... so that they can go back to us because hopefully Fox will see that this is a possibility that, that, mm. that there is actually positive collaboration. Because Marvel, I think, deserve to have all their all their characters back under their branch. Their
1: financial managers in the nineties would argue they don't.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, I think you know it's not a big thing for me because I don't particularly care about the team up movies. I I find them the most excruciating of the films. So for me, I'm kind of like, well, yeah, I'm sure for comic book fans it would be lovely to see all of these heroes on one page. But when you tell me about the thirty characters in one scene thing from. Infinity War, I just that made a part of me die, because I was just like, that's too many (laughs) characters. Um, But I I don't know, it could well be that that maybe Fox look at this and go, hey, there's a way of making this work, and if there is, then that's great, because cooperation might be the best way forward, not necessarily signing everything back over fully, but saying, here, let's make an agreement, we can start doing things again. What that would mean is that they would want to probably reboot the... X Men franchise yet again, right? And the Fantastic Four. Franchise. And the Fantastic the Four thing is, franchise. That
0: X Men franchise needs a reboot just to clear it up. Yeah, but
1: I don't want. No, but this is the thing. I don't want another X Men movie for about six years now. I would love them to take a break for ages. Well, you'd like
2: them to finish now because Logan would be the perfect finish point. Oh, it's God, yeah, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, Dark that, Phoenix, but, yeah.
0: Well, um, apparently they're not. Marvel aren't interested in the Fantastic Four they, um, they don't say I'm that they surprised. don't want like basically what they want is they want the, the villains, villains and everything that comes with the Fantastic Doctor Four without bringing things. in the Fantastic Four because Doctor Galactus, Galactus Silver Surfer all that kind of stuff is really interesting for people like Guardians and, yeah, yeah. and the Avengers um, but the Fantastic Four because of what's happened previously I don't think even if they got them back they would even utilise them for
2: Yes. Well, mm. I think I think if they were going to utilize Fantastic Four, they'd do it as a TV series. I do. I think yeah, that's just, not a bad idea. You, you've you know you've tried what three screen on screen adaptations, all three of which were slated. No one really understood how the first film got a sequel in the first place, and the last film was just a mess. Mm. So you know how do you how do you go i mean yeah you can argue the same thing for spider-man i suppose but there were successful films before and now that you've kind of taken this universe in this direction and to such a large way you know you're so far down your timeline now yeah like you know the x-men and talk about getting them back into it i just i'm to a point now i'll go until you end a phase and essentially wipe out your current heroes which is hard to do anyway because you've got to bear in mind you sell these films to kids yeah so it's gonna be quite hard to kill off iron man Mm. And Captain America or whatever, you, you you can retire them. He does every film, but <laughs> but you know how how you end up murdering them or, or killing them or getting rid of them permanently. I don't know. But until you do that sort of thing where you've got almost a clean roster, I don't think X Men can come in because, mm. you, like you say, thirty characters is too much. That's I agree with you. Is it but then much? if you add it the is
1: far too much. It? Go fuck yourself if it's not too no, much. It's not. Oh, <laughs> I think six so is sometimes too much.
0: That. But if this was a Coen Brothers jazz club scene with 30 characters, you'd be jizzing your little dick
1: off. Well, no, not necessarily. Because I think, (laughs) number one, first of all, good put on the jazz club, I'd love to see that. Number Number two, look, I love... Fuck, right, okay. I love fuck. Uh, Fuck you, mate. Because on Wednesday, (laughs) on Wednesday, I'm reviewing It Comes at Night, right? Wait until that review. I'll tell you exactly how many characters are in the fucking film and why that is the best thing about it. Go fuck yourself with your 30 characters in a jazz club. (laughs) I want a jazz club that can only seat 10. (laughs) Keep it exclusive for real jazzophiles. (laughs) Ah, We were having such a nice time. (laughs) Anyway... That's basically where we're going yeah. to end it. Uh, so. Is there any any other business? Any final thoughts that you want to bring up that we've missed out? Or... <laughs> no, we
0: saw the... Um... <laughs> we saw the podcast out and the, uh, we can I, now retire. Saw the Iron Spider suit. That was that was nice. That was a nice moment, yeah. I Although I didn't really good. like the look of it. But it's nice that it's there. I kind of like the look of it. No, I, I didn't like the aesthetics of it. Okay, well. Really uh, but no, the, the, there's a lot to enjoy in the film and I, it's another one that I... It's, it's quite nice because I think what what superhero films have we had this year? We had Logan, Guardians, Wonder Woman. This, yeah, and I think all of them have been strong in their own ways. Like I, th- I think I've enjoyed all of them in their own ways. Yeah,
1: and they've been solid uh, enough. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, I, been, if, so far, so good. I in terms it's been of it's
0: been a good, good year. And what if we're going to
1: say hit or miss? It's a hundred percent hit rate at the moment. Yeah, yeah and with so so you so wouldn't know because you haven't seen Wonder Woman. You still think it could be garbage? It's that's, not. Essentially, because that's, I have
2: no faith in DC. Well, that, that's Neither not, did I. <laughs> Uh, but
1: we still got you know
0: uh, Thor and Justice League to come out this yeah. year, um, so we'll see how how. And, I mean, yeah, we're going to end
1: poorly. Good. Is basically you know not Thor. I think Thor's going to be great. But, we'll, we'll see. Justice League will not be good.
0: But you know it's it's been a good year so good. far, and good. this this is another great addition to a strong year so far. I think.
1: Uh, yeah. All right. Well, it's left us feeling quite positive about the future of the Sony and Marvel partnership. So, I think we'll end it there. Yeah. Uh, Andy. Uh, where can
0: balls. they find us, Alex?
1: They can find us everywhere. <laughs> oh, God. We're wherever you need us to be. We're mainly on Facebook uh, with the Dinosaur Man Nerdcast. Uh, we're on Twitter at DinosaurMan15. If you want to find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or Buzzsprout to download us, that's where to do it. You can rate, comment, subscribe, review, leave five stars, tell your friends, share the link, and just be good people in general. <laughs> If you like the theme song You can contact Johnny Neves He's one of the Ramones And he also did the Spider-Man <laughs> theme song It's because the, the use of the Ramones Is because of the, the time they did the Spider-Man theme song Right? So therefore Johnny Neves is now part of the Ramones Doing the Spider-Man theme song Cool Do you not know about the Ramones thing? Carry on Okay, fine. We'll discuss use Johnny Neves as ever for the theme song He's contactable by Pigeon <laughs> <laughs> Only Pigeon. Pigeon Man. Andy, thanks for hosting. It's fine. Thank you, Mark, for joining us. Rare appearance. Alex. A rare appearance. Don't worry about fan it.
0: fan favourite Mark Barrett is back. That's, yeah. that's, what he that's, that's remember. the important and thing. Be He's, chanting the spi- out He's the Spider-Man
1: of our MCU. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: you've, you've been on other podcasts for a while. Yeah, I've just, just drifted back over there. You <laughs> had to make a deal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was the devil.
0: <laughs> no, thank
1: you. Thank you. Until next time. Remember that the real hero here is Zendaya's agent because she gets fourth billing in this film, despite having about six lines. (laughs) (laughs) They like on the posters: Tom Holland, Michael Keaton, John Favreau. Hold on, (laughs) she's above Robert Downey Jr. Oh, he's 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 a riff or an and, and. but she she is fourth billing. Zendaya. This is the power of Nickelodeon slash Disney, Disney Channel. Fuck it. it. It's all the same. Uh, very much. It. Oh, it would be Disney because it's yeah. Marvel, of course.
0: Although, remember, you're still not on board with her only having one name.
1: I think it's, it's really- very proud of her. <laughs> Prince earned that right. Goodbye, <laughs> <laughs> everyone. <gasps> Bye.